The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of The Crowncast. Dedicated listeners to The Crowncast will know that I'm recording on my travel microphone. That's because I'm in England. At this point in time, I am in London. I've gotten to meet Ewan in person, which is really, really special for me. And I've gotten to do a few interesting things while I'm here. And speaking of Ewan, he joins me today. Hello, Ewan. Ewan. Yeah, hello. I can confirm that that did happen. And uh, yeah, we had a, uh, had a had a hell of a day going to our favorite place in the world, uh, Old Trafford. So uh... <laughs> just just both of our favorite places to meet up. Um, I'm sure that there are a couple of fans out there that will be glad that, that we met up. But that's just where it happened. It happened to work out. I, I will say, buddy, really enjoyed the just the string of debauchery that happened afterwards. <laughs> the funny I, and I was thinking about this. I don't know if I told you this. The funny thing is, obviously, this is the crown cast tagline of the team for the crown. I ended up taking you to my favorite pub in manchester i don't know if i if you realize this that pub is actually called the crown and kettle so it all worked out coincidentally that uh that all, all, everything just kind of merged together perfectly <laughs> I, I will tell you i don't know if you told me that i will also tell you that based on our experiences th- thus far in the night i have exactly zero percent chance of remembering what the name <laughs> of that pub was <laughs> hey you know we had a great time it was great to meet you in person buddy we essentially have the last episode of the crown cast before we get to see charlotte fc play football again we're back baby it's coming back and ewan we do get one more person added to the to the uh charlotte fc roster we do get junior or so added to the roster 34 year old will you tell us a little bit about him yeah i think uh, given his experience um and and obviously him coming over from uh, from Orlando, people will be fairly familiar with him and, and his role. Obviously, a, a, a fairly for his age, I think he believe he's thirty four years old. Pretty athletic midfielder, very capable on the ball. Not exactly someone who's going to get on it and keep it ticking. He does like to drive with the ball a lot. He's got a he's got a trick in him. He's got a lot of qualities to him that are very positive. I think the uh, I think the main thing on this one is that this is a this is the type of signing that I think is is very agreeable. Um, for what we're getting him for, uh, in terms of uh, what the assets that we've committed to him, um, in terms of the role that he's probably likely to play in it, in a midfield that is is not is not cluttered, but also you know is gonna is gonna ask for you know people to chip in every here and you know every little bit here and there with with the ages that we have in uh, in that position. Um, I think if you look at the perspective from Orlando, you always look at someone that you can get when the opposition uh, when they team that you're dealing with is, is quite willing to let them go um, and think, is there a particular reason why they're happy to let them go? Should we be wary of this? Ultimately, I think he's a player that's entering, you know, his mid thirties who plays for a team that finished very high in the conference last season. He's looking to push on a little bit and it's just kind of fallen at the right time for them to move on from him. And we're almost the perfect team to acquire that kind of player. Someone who's got that MLS now. We know that we're very interested in players who have that little bit of general football experience so yeah, in terms of how big a role he'll play for us, I don't know if he's going to be uh, playing in every single game, but I do think that it's a type of signing that for a little bit of squad depth and a little bit of experience and a little bit of know-how, hard to disagree with this much. Uh, I think it's pretty it's a pretty solid signing for a team that uh, yeah is uh, is looking for that little bit more MLS related experience. 
Yeah, I think the only way this could be disagreeable is if he was it. If he was brought in to be the guy, if he was brought in to be the only one in that position, and it was always going to be him. I think that's where it potentially gets disagreeable. I don't see that as how it's going to go down in the future. This does seem like a guy who's there to uh, sort of complete the boat, complete the train, whatever you want to call it. He's he's there to fill the gaps, and we'll probably be able to do a very good job of that while giving some experience to the young guys. And Josh will probably be celebrating somewhere right now because uh, we finally get a guy with some real MLS experience into the into the club. So I, I think really we can say this is a win for Josh. And for the rest of us, it's just sort of something that we can go, nah, that's quite smart. Ewan, happy with all that? Yeah, it's jo- it's Josh who I had in my head when I was mentioning the MLS experience there. We know how much we've uh, we've heard about him uh, mentioning that when it comes to our recruitment. And he is right that, you know, that stuff isn't just kind of cliched. That, that stuff does matter. Um, and I know it's something that a lot of people wanted when it came to us appointing our new head coach. Um, obviously, Dean Smith doesn't bring any of that. Um, but if we can bring it in in terms of uh, areas of the squad, hopefully that will make up for that a little bit. So, yeah, like you say, for most people, it's uh, it's a signing where you look at it and go, yeah, I you know, I have a little bit of memory of him. I'm happy to go along with that and, uh, yeah, see how he plays. So, yeah, it gets a... Uh, uh, not a massive, but a you know pretty uh, a pretty solid thumbs up from me. Yeah, Dean Smith, a bastion of experience. Not a lot of it in the MLS. Let's go ahead and we will get into our predictions for the season. You and this is one of our favorite times. We do way too early predictions. Uh, we basically do this so people on the internet can tell us that we were wrong. I think that's that's why we go out and we do this. And uh, at the end of the season, you will all get to laugh at us. Because no matter how we predict these, something will not be right. So, Ewan, do you want to start with uh, p- player of the year? Do you want to start with potential concern player for the season? Or do you want to start with or uh, breakout player of the year? I'm happy to start with uh, with player of the year. Um, and uh, we'll start it with a, uh, with, with a bang. And then, obviously, we'll uh, end it with a, our altogether predictions for the team. So, yeah, nice little sandwich there in terms of predictions. Let's do it. Uh, so way too early player of the year prediction from you. And who do you think is going to be the guy for Charlotte FC? For me, and I don't know how spicy or how juicy this is. Uh, my player of the year prediction for Charlotte this year is going to be Kerwin Vargas. And the reason I say that Ooh. is <laughs> the reason I say that, the reason I believe that is one, I believe in the player. I think anyone who listened to me talk about the team last season knows how how highly I, I rate him and, and how good I think he is. So obviously you've got to clear a, a flaw there to be a player of the season candidate. But also I think it's it, it comes in terms of what this team really needs. And I think it is going to be that that area of the field, the, the wings, where we're going to be really asking for a lot. And the way I see this team playing, it's going to be a lot of intensity. It's going to be trying to push the opposition back up the field and, and kind of own that space. And and even though we're not blessed with maybe the greatest group of defenders, if we can defend high and restrict the areas they're playing in, that will benefit us. What that leaves is that maybe we're not a team that's blessed with a ton of flair and a ton of direct player chance creation, which in my opinion means that this is going to fall massively on Kerwin Vargas's shoulders. And ultimately, it comes down to the question, do you think he's ready to shoulder that? And I think he is. 
I, I think he is he is capable of being the player that we look at. And people mention this with Dean Smith teams where he wants a lot of his players working hard, a lot of them doing the grunt work, a lot of them playing intense for two or three players to be able to express themselves and get on the ball and, and see what they can do. If that's how this team works, Cohen Vargas is going to be one of those nominated players and I think he's going to do a really good job of it. I think we've seen him develop in a really kind of steady, consistent, nice way. I think it's been rewarded uh, internationally. And I, I just see this being a season for him where he is seen on a more major MLS and, and even maybe sort of the world taking more of a notice at him to a certain degree uh, as to how good a player he is and, and especially at his age. So I'm I'm really excited for him this year. If I could, he's my player of the season. And also, if you told me, if you asked me who is what, who or what is the thing that you're most excited for this season, it would also be Cohen Vargas. So yeah, putting a lot of eggs in that basket, but I really do believe that he's going to have a really, really good season. No, I think it's a good shout out. I mean, you heard me sort of go, ooh, over there because <clears throat> we'll talk about this with a few players that there are a couple of players on this team that are really on offense at the moment and they could fall down towards greatness and they could fall down towards oblivion. And I think a deal, and I think that Kerwin Vargas is one of those players who has the opportunity to go out and stamp his name on Charlotte FC. He has the opportunity to go and say, this wing spot is mine and I'm going to be a devastating run in behind, you know, quick thinking eyes towards goal attacker. There are other players in Charlotte FC's history who have had that chance and not taken it, right? We just let go of a Polish gentleman who, who we were talking about had that chance and didn't take it. So for Kerwin, I think he's going to have to grow up really fast. If he grows up really fast and if he fits in Dean Smith's ideals, I do think Dean Smith is probably going to find more space in behind the lines for Kerwin to take advantage of, which I think will help him. It's a big ask for Kerwin Vargas. But if he, if he rises to that task... He could absolutely be the player of the year, and we could see a, a lot of special stuff from him. <clears throat> I'm going to talk my player of the year, and I'm going to go with the deals in Milanda. Ewan, you helped, you helped guide me back to a deals in Milanda. There were moments where I strayed from the path of a deals in Milanda, where the light dimmed, and, and I could not find my way. And, and yours was the voice that reminded me that that Adilson Melanda is, well, he's just class, right? As young as he is, he's just class. And there is going to be a time, and I can't swear to you it's going to be this year, there is going to be a time when Adilson Melanda finds the next gear, when he finds the next level, when whatever skill he's working on next clicks in and he understands the defensive system and he becomes, I think, in the MLS, just a killer of defenses or a killer of attacks. I already think he's good. I already think he's made his name in the team. I already think he's given himself reason to be uh, on the starting 11 every time Dean Smith draws it up. I think there's a level yet to go for him, and if and when he finds it, I think he could be, and it, it's odd to say this, I think even as a defender, he could be our player of the year. Ewan, what do you think about Adilson Melanda? Yeah, we we've spoken about him a lot, haven't we? We're all we all co-sign him as a as someone that we're really excited about and someone who we like a lot, um, and also someone who last season was asked 
to do a lot in, in terms of the system that we played. I actually see that being quite similar again this year, which is uh, which is why I think this is uh, quite a good shout because I think he'll turn up a lot as, in moments as, God, we're really lucky to have him because he nipped in here when the ball went over the top. He, he managed to make up ground here when we, lost a, uh, when we left a lot of space in these areas. So I think that element of the team is going to stay the same, uh, largely. So so him being a, a someone to nominate for player of the season makes sense because it matches up with that quite nicely and, and what he'll be asked to do in uh, in this system. I still have those little bits of concern in terms of how good he is on the ball, um, in terms of uh, in terms of his build up play. But that's that's that kind of concern is almost more when we talk about the, the extension of his ceiling and you know what could he be in a in a larger scale in in football as a whole, rather than how important is he going to be in this team. I think it's been brought up before that he's not been he's not great on the ball. I know I've mentioned it before. And people kind of come back and say, you know, well, what are you saying? He gets, do you want someone else in the team? And it's like, no, 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 don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. He's, he should definitely be starting. It's just those areas where you want to see a young player potentially develop. So if I could uh, caveat my co-sign of him and, and general co-sign of the fact that he could be the player of the season with that, that I would love to see him develop in those areas. And then we're really talking about an absolute Rolls Royce. Um, but yeah, I, I can absolutely see a world where we are a team that, is is relying on him massively again, like we were last season, and also this preseason. The main thing that, uh, from a positive standpoint, that has been taken away is how good our defensive record's been. The fact that we uh, haven't really conceded goals in uh, in preseason. So if that continues and we're able to uh, execute the, uh, the 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 style of play, which kind of keeps the opposition quite well pinned back for the majority of the game, then pairing a team that has a really good defensive record with a defensive player getting player of the season, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you, and that is neither one of us picked Ashley Westwood. Do you feel like uh, Westy had a, a shot at player of the season, or do you feel like he's somebody who we know who he is? Why didn't either one of us go to Westy? Um, I think maybe with Westwood, it's a case of the reason why we love him as a player and, and the reason why he's generally loved is because of the high floor. It's the consistency. It's the fact that he just chips in with a really decent performance every single outing. And maybe with a player like that, you think, okay, well, why can't they be player of the season? You know, they're so, you know, so consistent. And it's more the fact that, you know, you just kind of rely on them to be in that space where they're going to set the floor for the team. They're going to put that floor as high up as they can. And then if you want to be pushing to the best version of yourself, that's going to set the base for everyone else to kind of put it further up. And they're the players that you maybe think of more for player of the season. Someone like Melanda, who's going to let us play a certain, a certain version of football, which lets us uh, leave a lot of space in behind because he'll cover it up. And he's like a queen on the chessboard in that aspect. Someone like Vargas, where we're going to put in a lot of grunt work and we're going to work really hard, but he's going to be the guy to actually create chances. He's going to be the luxury player and we're going to end the games winning 2-0 and thinking, God, he's just made two moments out of nowhere with a goal and an assist. Those kind of theoreticals where you think there's going to be players who are going to set the table and then there's going to be players who are going to be the reasons why we're able to push it that little bit further. I think maybe that's why Ashley Westwood hasn't had a, uh, hasn't had a shout out here. I also think maybe it's the case that if Ashley Westwood is your player of the year, like with the way it went last season, maybe your season hasn't gone as well as you think it has. Um, 
because obviously last year we don't reach the heights that we do. But then we look at the end of the season, we're like, God, he was consistent throughout it all, whilst we had all of this tumult happening the whole time. So maybe that's yeah. the other reason as well, because it's the time of hope and maybe hope for this kind of period when you're thinking player of the year. Maybe he's just not the guy who comes up. It's the time of a hope. I like the way you say that. I'm going to move us on to potential concern player for the year. And I don't think I'm going to surprise a lot of people when I say my potential concern player for the year is Enzo Capetti. I do think I'm going to surprise a lot of people when I say I almost put my uh, player of the year as Enzo Capetti. Because Enzo is another one for me who falls down on, on the top of that fence line. We don't really know how he's going to look in this. We have some preseason experience that shows us he's willing to trigger the press. He's willing to go out and do the hard yards. He's going to do the off the ball stuff. He looks like against defenses that aren't necessarily fully set that he is going to be able to go and comfortably take chances. Now we get to see him do it in on the big stage. There's no Carol Schroderski in his way. He's the guy. He's the number nine. He's the one with the shirt to lose. He could go on from here. And I know that there are some people who, who think really highly of him, and there are some people who think really low of him. He could go on from here and be an absolute barnstormer, unstoppable number nine, changes the face of the MLS. Or he could drop into oblivion. And if he drops into oblivion now, it's not because... Carol Schroderski was stopping him from fulfilling his potential, right? It's not because Christian Latanzio didn't really like him or, or anything like that. If he, he is in the spot and in the spotlight, you either perform or you get booed off the stage. There is no other option. So my potential concern player is Enzo Capetti and it, it does strike me as interesting how often these players I have concerns about are the ones that could go on to greatness, that have that divide in front of them. Ewan, thoughts on Enzo Copetti? It does make sense why he would merge as both a player of the, player of the season candidate and also um, someone that you'd be concerned about because there's just a lot riding on him, <laughs> especially just the fact that he is now kind of the designated player of the side because of what's happened with uh, with Jozwiak and uh, and Karol Svodersky, obviously, like you mentioned, with uh, with him leaving. Um, and also the fact that if he doesn't work out, if things aren't working with him, the alternate is Patrick Ajeman, who I know a lot of people are excited about, but obviously that's a big gamble for a, for a guy so young. Like, this is a player who we've invested a lot in and we don't really have a major backup plan for. So the fact that he could be a candidate for both of those things it does make sense. I've all I've always kind of put myself in Capetti's corner as someone who believes in him, someone who thinks he's a really good player. Um, and, and and the tough thing with him is that he's a really good striker who's a kind of poacher, last man, play on the shoulder, do parts of hold up type uh, of good player, which can often show up as less obvious than a good midfield player to bring him back, like like Westwood, who you know is all action, he's getting stuck in, he's getting a foot in, he's playing good passes, he's box to box when he gets the opportunity to be. You know, it's it's harder to show off how good a player you are um, when you are a player who who plays the role of Capetti. So I, I understand why that you, you kind of there's a little bit of concern there as to whether this is going to work out with him. Um, I fall on the more positive side with him. Uh, if it doesn't work, it's because of the, what I mentioned, whereby this team is structured around a lot of grunt work and a lot of you know keeping the opposition pinned back and 
you know, it's 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 a lot of that stuff and maybe a bit less of direct chance creation through build-up. So maybe he doesn't get the chances that he's hoping for. But I'm generally optimistic on on him. So um yeah, I, I get why you were kind of <laughs> you were juggling him between those two spots. So I'm gonna go ahead and ask you to move along. Who is gonna be your potential concerned player for the year? Uh my concerned player and you know block your ears if if needs be <laughs> for this one uh logan it, it is it is ben bender um and this is almost this this hits on maybe less directly Ewan, about you and to be fair i can see how you would also have him bouncing between player of the year and potential concern players so no it, it makes total sense it's yeah it's true it's it's a great point <laughs> i do this i mean and this isn't this isn't almost this isn't as much about him the player but almost in terms of when I look at the squad and he, he had a stint out on the wing and maybe that'll happen again, but we've all kind of established and we all, we're all aware that that's not really where he wants to be playing. And that's not where his best football is going to come. It's going to be, if we're talking about a four, two, three, one, it's being in the middle of the three. If it's a four, three, three, we're talking about it being one of the more advanced eights. Really. We're talking about him being an eight with a bit of a license to get into the box. So I look at the players who are going to be most likely playing in those roles, and and we already mentioned there with uh, with, with bringing in uh, the, uh, a new signing in in Junior Urso. So that's going to be a midfield body, and then you go through the rest of the guys who are a little bit more familiar with, and it's obviously if Diani if, if Diani's going to take up the uh, the sixth spot like we watched in our last preseason friendly, and Westwood's going to be playing more advanced. He's the captain. He's obviously going to start next to him. Breck Diagra, a guy who we all like. He's next to. He's played next to Westwood in these games. It looks like he's going to start. Then you have a guy like Brant Bronico, who's obviously dealing with some injuries at the moment, but is always kind of a teacher's pet when it comes to the coaches and is willing to play in those advanced areas and help with the press. I think we'll see a fair bit of him. Then you think about the player who is going to be the option off the bench when we need a goal, when we need a bit of spark and chasing a game. That's probably going to be Scott Arfield. So then you think about the role that's left for Ben Bender in year three, when this is someone who we've always kind of depended on as well, not depended on, but always had a feeling would be, you know, breakthrough young player. And as we go, he's going to get better and better. I'm struggling to see the opportunities that he's going to get in the side. And I do realistically envision a situation where three months into the season, he hasn't played a lot of minutes. He maybe even hasn't started an MLS game and with, and, whether the team's doing well or whether it's not doing so well, we're looking at him thinking, God, this has gone in a completely different direction to how we expected. And we're looking at what might be a, a, a grim ending to what was one of the most exciting players in, in, in the team for a lot of fans and, and the main Jersey seller, uh, not just at Charlotte, but in the whole of MLS. So yeah, I, I'm concerned about maybe his future layout. I, you know, my feelings on him, I'm not too high on him, but I, I know a lot of people are, and a lot of people are excited by him. So I do, have a bit of worry about that when it comes to him yeah you very intelligently much to my dismay point out the fact that we have to look at his route into the team and no matter how much of a fan of ben bender i am ben bender is no longer there because there's nobody to fill the slot ben bender now has to rip the shirt off at least one maybe two people in order to get anywhere near a starting lineup. And it doesn't help him that he has seen injury while other players are out there getting preseason time, right? While other players are out there working with Dean Smith and building up a relationship and he has been sidelined. So 
he's a player that has struggled with injury before, you know, not necessarily a player who is, I don't want to use the term injury prone because I haven't seen him like every single season have two different or three different injuries. There are players like that. But if you were to ask me genuinely, where does Ben Bender get in this team? My response to you would have to be that he unseats the left eight or the 10, just like you've pointed out. And I don't necessarily see him unseating the left eight or the 10. And if you had talked to me not that long ago about who I was potentially excited to see in the midfield, Ben Bender wasn't in that list. So there are going to be a lot of questions for him. And this is professional professional football. We have talked in the past about the fact that you have to be able to kill your darlings, and it will be up to him to show that that he deserves the shirt at Charlotte FC. So I, I think it's a good shout-out, even, even if it hurts my soul, Ewan. Why would you do this to me? I, I'm going to move us along, and I'm going to do a potential breakout player of the year. Ewan, who are you looking at as a breakout player in 2024? Uh, this, is, um, this is the one where I think it might <laughs> is most likely to end up with maybe egg on my face for it. Um, I do, I do feel like with all of these, pretty confident in it. Uh, I, I think the the breakout player for the season will be Jalen Lindsay. Um, the reason I say that it could end up with me, you know, looking a bit foolish for this is right now it's pretty clear that that Nathan Byrne is is going to be the starting right back, just based off the amount of minutes he's getting in the preseason, the fact that he played the majority of the game. Um, for the for the final preseason uh, match, which we all kind of see as an indicator of what the first game of the season lineup will be and who the favoured players are to start. Um, but I'm I'm as mentioned before, I've got real concerns about Nathan Byrne. Um, I don't think he's played particularly well this preseason. And for as much as he is an experienced player, for as much as his and what I think I think may go understated is his familiarity with Dean Smith them both being people who were in the football league at similar times and and familiar with each other's presence I think he maybe looks at him as someone who's like yeah I can fit him in there as I'm getting the season started I can rely on him I think as things go on he's going to notice him as, a, as someone who just is not only not up to the to the standard we want to be at but is also clearly the second best right back at the club um, and I don't think it will take too long for Jaden Lindsay to take that spot and then once he gets it, we've watched Jalen Lindsay over the last couple of seasons. We've watched him have good games. We've watched him kind of come out the side for little, for, uh, for extended periods. I think the main thing is that last season when we played with the inverted fullbacks and everything was was very, it was very, uh, it, we were setting our way to that kind of play and, and we were asking for something very different out of our fullbacks that most teams do. Now you can see that it's a lot more standard. It's it's very much the the traditional fullback role, even though there's little areas in there which which bring in that that modern element to it. I think it's a role that would really suit Jalen Lindsay. And like I say, I'm kind of, you know, I'm 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 looking at my watch from the from the moment that we start the season and Burn is the right back on the team sheet as to when we can get to bringing Jalen Lindsay in. Because I like him a lot. I've always I've always tried to back him in our buy sell holds. I had him as a hold and I was leading towards a sell because I didn't know if he was ever going to get the chance. But I was holding on because I believe in him. To a, to a serious degree if he gets the right opportunity. And that was before we knew that we had Dean Smith as manager. And you look at his system, you look at the way he plays, you look at what we've seen in preseason, and I'm like, yes, that would be perfect for him. 
he just doesn't seem like he's the guy who's going to get it to start with. And I'm just hoping that we make that switch early enough as to where he can make that spot his own. And once he gets it, I'd be really excited for him, especially since we are lacking a little bit in terms of outright wingers. I think if we can get him in the side and get him to show off his athleticism, show that he can get to the byline and be a byline threat, maybe the best in the side purely at that disregarding position, even including our wingers, he may be the best, especially now with Cambridge out. In terms of fit players, he might be the best at that. I'm just excited for when he gets his opportunity to be in the side and I hope it comes fairly soon because I, I really think if he does get a run of games, he'll be someone who fans will be like, I'm, I'm really, really chuffed with how he's playing and the fact that it's worked out for him. So yeah, that's yeah. the one where it's maybe me sticking my uh, sticking my neck out a little bit, but I also feel pretty confident in it. You and you, you've done pretty because I thought 150% you were going to pick a name and then I wouldn't have to pick that name. I thought you were I thought you were going to leave me open to pick who I who my heart and soul wanted to pick. And now I can't do that. You've stolen my heart and soul pick. <laughs> I, I, I um, did I didn't even realize. <laughs> I, so I, there's there's a name down here that is not Jalen Lindsay's. <laughs> so so the the one I now have to pick as the breakout player of the year is Nikola Petkovic. Um if you haven't seen Nikola Petkovic play he is dynamic. He seems to be a very smart footballer. He's young. He's talented. He's got talent in his boots. He plays in the midfield. He's going to be uh, looking at the sort of positions on the field where we could see him learn a lot from the high-end talent that is at Charlotte right now. He's going to be able to learn from Ashley Westwood. He's going to be able to learn from uh, Breck Diagata. He's going to be able to learn from Scott Arfield. You know, even if all he learns this season is that ability to come in and make a difference, if he can absorb these traits, if he can, if he can take in everything that's around him with the talent that we know he has and we have seen the team go out and, and prep him for, I mean, they brought him in a year early to bring him in now. That Really, that's what happened. He's, he spent a year at a lower level in order for him to move into this position. The team knew what they wanted. This guy is good. And there will be questions as to whether or not he can, he can show how good he is in the big leagues. But he has every position now to go out and explode from a de developmental standpoint. He has the teachers to teach him. He will get the chance to play because in those positions, some of those guys probably can't 90 minutes regularly. I mean... Ewan, with a quick yes or no, do you think Breck Diagrada can play 90 minutes regularly? No, they'll, they'll have him on restriction, especially considering right. the injuries last year. We definitely know that Scott Arfield isn't going to play 90 minutes regularly. We've just talked about the fact that Ben Bender isn't necessarily in the, the picture at the moment and injured. Really, the, the two he's sitting in there with is he's looking at Ashley Westwood who isn't a young man himself and might need some some time to sit down and recover and he's looking at Brant Bronico so though it is a stacked midfield he is going to get minutes and i just i don't see a world in this year where he doesn't take those minutes and show at least something of what he's capable of and i think it's going to surprise a lot of people who don't who aren't already familiar with him how does that sound to you? 
Yeah, I, I've made my feelings clear on, on Nikola Petrovic. I, I love him as a player. <laughs> I was really excited when we signed him. You know, when when that signing was announced, you kind of pull up the footage and, and look at some of his uh, some of his game tape. And I'm like, I'm really, really excited by this. And then you look at the general profile of how he's already been called up at national level senior. And it's like, this is obviously someone who's got a bit of character about them as well. And you go through it from a, a scouting perspective and it's just like tick, 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 tick. It, it, it's all there. Um so the question would be why why didn't I have him as my breakout player? Um yeah. the worry the worry that I have with him is firstly it came when I saw one of our earlier preseason friendlies and we had the midfield three of him, Westwood, and Diagra, I believe. And Westwood was still at the base and um and, and we had Pekovic playing a bit more advanced. That was disappointing because I feel like we've got him playing in a role that is is not his best. I think he needs to be at the base of midfield. I think he's at his best and he'd be even better at the best utility in this side in terms of what it needs, getting involved in that early build-up play, playing on the half turn, being able to dictate tempo, uh, being able to you know ha- have a player on his back and, and, and drop a shoulder and make quick uh, decisions and, and position himself, himself properly uh, angles-wise as to where we can manipulate their press a little bit. As soon as we've got it figured out that they're man-to-man, he'll get into these areas and then bang, we've beaten it. If it's a bit more zonal, we can be. that's where his uh, his dictation of tempo helps a little bit more. He's happy to play it between the centre-backs. And then once we get a jump, we're gone. He was really, really good at that. And then you pair that with what I've seen from our general style and the fact that Gibral Diani has come in and played in that sixth role. And I now see what our style is definitively, or at least what it is in these preseason friendlies, which you have to assume is a pretty big point as to how we'll play. And I think I get why he's not in that sixth role, but I wish he was. And I wish we were dictating our uh, our team a little bit more to, to what he's good at, but it's going to be about, and again, I sound like I'm repeating myself, it's about pinning the opposition back. We need the athletes in midfield to do it. And with Westwood, who is a decent athlete, but he's obviously at a certain period of his career, and Diagra, who's a, a nice flair player, but is not, you know, that that kind of box to box engine room typical type player. Dean Smith, for his style, wants someone else in there who is a real, you know, a real great athlete who's going to be able to get from box to box and press high and recover if our press doesn't work. And that fits Diani more than it does Petkovic. So I get why he's doing it to fit his style. But that's why I can't go all all in on Petkovic like I would like to, because I just don't know if the style of this team perfectly fits him. I'm all in. When it comes when it comes to talent, I'm all in. And his talent strikes me as the type of as the type of thing that you look at and you say, if anyone has the chance to succeed, it's if anyone has the the odds to be breakout player of the year, I think it has to be him. Uh, and on that that note, based on what we have said here. We're going to have to come up with our our season prediction, our finishing prediction for this season. And you and I'll be the first one to say it. This one's hard. Uh, we we don't have that much knowledge yet on how Dean Smith moves and works in the MLS. We have a lot of young players who could go supernova or could fall flat. We have a lot of older players who could hold their levels just fine or could drop off at any time. Uh, Father time is undefeated. So this one feels a little bit more like throwing a dart at the board than it may have felt like last season. How does it feel to you, Ewan? Where do you think we end up? Yeah, like you say, it's um, it, it's a tough one. Um, made tougher by the specific fact that when it comes to the Eastern Conference, 
you look at some of the teams around us, specifically the teams that finish directly below us, um, and in a major MLS scale kind of take, I, I, I kind of like <laughs> some of the teams below us as, as sleepers. Um, obviously, into Miami finished well, but well, well, well below us in the conference, um, and, and people expect that uh, that'll change for into Miami. Um, I also like DC as a sleeper. I, I think they'll get things right this year. So I almost feel like I'm giving us the benefit of the doubt and giving us par and, and saying that we'll finish where we did last season and, and, and we'll finish ninth. And people will maybe think, or, or if they hear that, or if that's, you know, that, that'll disagree with them in terms of thinking, oh, that's, that's underwhelming, that's, you know, whatever it may be. I, I actually think that that would be a solid finish for this team as it kind of transitions from one thing to another. Um, and if you don't think that that's ambitious, then uh, go look at the uh, at the predictions from the MLS journalists who did their predictions a few days ago, and and see where they have us at <laughs> because ninth is is very ambitious compared to them. But yeah, I, I'm I'm conflating the uh, the losses that we've had. You know, someone like Svidersky, who I obviously loved, someone like Josviak, who I liked more as a as a squad player than other people did i see that as more of a loss than maybe other other people do um and i conflate that with the fact that i do think we've got better in terms of our head coach and i do think that although there haven't been many signings the continuity within the squad and the fact that we do have clear leaders that will help and i look at the balance of that and i think we'll finish right about where we did uh last season and uh yeah a points total prediction because i had that last season as well I probably think, uh, yeah, not to be boring with this, but I, I think it'll probably be in that same ballpark. I'll, I would give us 42 points. And I think if we hit 40, I kind of like that as, okay, this wasn't a bad season. We hit 45, I think that's a big thumbs up. And if we hit 50, then, yeah, we, we've done really well to do that. So as much as a finishing position, those are kind of the point structures that I decided a, a, a couple of days ago, yeah. 40 would be a solid season. 45, good. 50, well done. Brilliant. So so you've gone ahead and given us all that logic and all that you know explanation and all that stuff, but you're wrong about one thing. Obviously, we're going to get a bajillion points, and we're going to come in first. That's the only that's the only that's the only real analytical no. No. Yeah. I, I, it's the only thing that's tolerated around here. <laughs> I I'll be really honest with you. I'm gonna sound like I'm just copying your homework when I say I have previously written on the paper before before I knew Ewan's prediction. I have us in ninth as well. I can My I can vouch for that as well. I can vouch yeah. for that as well. I had ninth and without you knowing I saw it written down there as well from you, so don't worry. <laughs> I my thought process goes down to this, and that is, I don't think that this season is going to be a question of will young players step up to the plate? I think they will. I think that when you bring in a coach like Dean Smith, when you do what we're doing, where you clearly see those teachers, where you clearly see those players who are going to get opportunities, you're going to get young players who step up. The questions then become, how many step up, Right. Is it just Jalen Lindsay and Nikola Pekovic who step up and everybody else falls away? Is it every young player on the team? Do Tiger Smalls and Brandon Cambridge all of a sudden become the two best wingers and Kerwin Vargas become the three best wingers in the MLS by the end of the season? We don't know, right? So it's how many of those young players step up to the plate? 
and how soon do they how quickly do they join the the how quickly do they become the cog in the machine that is needed for Charlotte FC to go on and make great things possible and my answer to you is i don't know it's it's i would be telling you a lie to sit here and say i i can see it in 2 months i can see it in 2 months but i can also see it in 6 months I believe Dean Smith can bring these players along. I believe these players have the talent to go to the next level. The question ends up being when. If it happens early in the season, I can see us hitting a 50-point total, Ewan. I can. If some of these attacking players catch fire and they become competition for each other where they all feed off each other's energy and goals start flying in, I can see 50 points for this team. If... The uh, young attacking players don't manage to fire, and we get halfway through this in, and they're all looking at each other, worried because they feel like they're not, you know, doing what they need to do, and they don't have that experience to, to be able to shake it off. I can see this team having a lot of trouble. So where I sit is that I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of the season that we start to see a few young players pop off. And I think once one or two of them start to pop off and really show up, I think we're going to start to see a domino effect. I am cautiously hopeful <laughs> that that domino effect is going to uh, begin to knock knock over the, the dominoes in time for us to make playoffs. And we shall see what happens. But But that would be my prediction as well, is ninth, and then it will be on how our form works to get us into the playoffs again. You and thoughts on any of that before we wrap it up and say goodbye? Yeah, you mentioned the kind of domino effect there of, of us, you know, get, there's a bit of momentum there, a bit of player development, all things clicking in the right uh, at the right time. I do think that another thing to point out in terms of a season-long projection, because we're looking at our, what we've done in preseason, we're looking at what it is right now, and things can always change in, in a dramatic way as you go through a season. And in terms of trying to connect the tea leaves with some of the transfer business that the club has done, the fact that everyone remains very calm, everyone's pretty happy with what's happened, the fact that there doesn't seem to be any uh, any any upset, any any issues from Dean Smith's perspective on anything. Either you don't want to get into a poker game with anyone who represents Charlotte FC, or there is a quiet confidence that with the connections into Europe and specifically, obviously, uh, the the uh, the UK now with Dean Smith and and some of the veteran players that we have in the squad, it does seem like there's a quiet confidence that the summer transfer window is going to bring about a bit more business. And if you're looking at that from a season-long projection perspective, maybe they're thinking, okay, if we get to June and we're here, if we're within this many points, if we're in this seed, and then we make these signings, we bring them in, then we go. Then we kind of we 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 go hard to the finish line. I think that and I think we've even mentioned this before in an earlier podcast, there is a plan that in the summer there are there are wheels already in motion to bring certain players in and fill in some of them higher spots in terms of the roster designation. So making predictions is made harder by the fact that I believe that. And I'm factoring that in a little bit as well. That I do think that the squad that we have now and the lineup that we have now could look very, very different when we're at the business end of the season. All right. We will go ahead and start to wrap it up there. Uh, first and foremost, uh, 
if you guys are used to the crown cast and you're used to hearing our reacts, there will be a post react for the season opener. You can find that post react on our Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at the crown cast, and we look forward to seeing you over there. If you join us on Patreon, you'll be able to connect with us on our discord. You'll be able to uh, potentially see some, some special events and even some player scouting stuff that we're looking forward to doing over there. You will also potentially note that I am in England, and while I've been here, I've been gathering all of the fun data where we will be uh, getting to start our Premier League show that we'll be releasing very soon. I'm excited to do that with you, Ewan. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a blast. It's going to be, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to look at things from a fairly even perspective across the 20 teams, and uh, yeah, excited to get that started. And also with the, with the main pod that we're doing here, obviously with these predictions, Maybe some people think that it's a little bit, it, it's not as, uh, we're not as optimistic as we could be. Maybe people looking at certain areas where we could be a little bit more excited. But I can promise anyone now that, that there aren't many people more excited about the season starting than me. Even though I have us in ninth, even though I maybe think this and think that, to get my teeth into this team and really get started properly analysing this team once the games are getting, once the games get fully started in MLS play, I'm very, very excited for this season. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for it to start, and I'm excited to cover it week on week with you and uh, and everyone else at the team who's uh, who's getting involved. So, yeah, it's going to be great. A lot of fun stuff coming up in the next few months. Let's do it, man. If you can, join us over on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. If not, these Wednesday podcasts will continue to be free forever. We're never They're never going to Patreon. There will always be a Wednesday podcast for you from the Crowncast, free of charge, and we are so thankful to have you here. Uh, as ever, the most important person we can thank is you, the listener. None of what we do would be possible without you. Uh, if you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again after we go and take our first ever three points in 2024 and next Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.